Okay, Shalom Ubracha, a new week, a new challenge this month. We have a bigger challenge to be Besimcha in this month of Tammuz. It's all like an excuse so if it's a month of Dini, so uh, a person has to be sad and he has an excuse to be sad. Ajaba, we have to work even harder to be Besimcha because Simcha is always the solution, always. There's no excuse, you know, even in the hardest scenarios. There is, like Rav Nassim says, when you just are overwhelmed and you crack and you cry to Hashem. But the goal of that is to go back to being besimcha, Bezat Hashem, right? He says, Rav Nosin, that you have Ayyeh and Azamra. The work of Azamra is being happy with the good points and appreciating the good points. And Ayyeh, Rav Nosin says, is that when it's not working out because you're just overwhelmed with darkness and darkness and darkness, so you cry, Hashem, where are you? I want to be, be good. You want to be happy. I want to serve you. But you're just making it impossible. By crying at Ayyeh, Hashem reveals to you the Mamar Satum, the hidden, the hidden Torah, the hidden level. And then you can go back to Azamra. So Rav Nosan says, it's always to go to Azamra. But there are times you need Ayyeh in order to come to Azamra. But the normal mode of a Jew should be in positive thinking. That's the normal, normal uh, gear shift of, of a Yid visit Hashem. We have a lot to go into. We have to continue now with the ideas that we started in the last year. We went in very deep, in the very deep uh, for our level. And that we haven't even begun to touch the surface on the whole idea of the Shvata Kelim, the shattering of the vessels, and the whole goal that Arizal says, the goal of creation. So, Rabbeinu, bringing down the Arizal, explains that how does a Jew go about to collecting his holy sparks? And we went into this. A Jew, that's his mission. Everything you're going through in life, based on what the Arizal teaches, is you are looking to find, collect, and elevate holy sparks. This is in all the brachot you say in your lifetime, all the mitzvot you come across in your lifetime, and also emotionally, all the ups and downs you go through, you're thrown into situations which seem dark in order to collect holy sparks. That's why Shem sent you there in the first place. It was only for this, this, this to happen in order to come back. I met recently uh, a chusid from Montreal, he was not Breslev, and he married into a Breslev family from America who did Aliyah. They live, they live in Eretz Yisrael, Beit Shemesh. And he had a very rough marriage. And after two years of rough marriage, he divorced. And he said to me, it seems that the whole reason I went, got into this Balagan was actually come, come close to Breslev because he wasn't, he wasn't Breslev. Through his marriage, he discovered Rabbi Nachman's teachings through his wife's family and everything. He came to Uman, he started getting this farm, it started changing his life. The marriage went bad and it ended. And he said, who knows, everything I went through was that I should come close to, to the Rabbi and Rabbeinu, with his life-saving teachings. I can't live without it, right? That's a, that's a level. And just right now, a barber told me, I went to a barber shop. He said, there's a, a rabbi, a famous a Sephardi rabbi. He said, only Rabbi Nachman can help this generation. The problems we're going through today, the psychological problem is the only great psychologist in the world is this Sadiq Rabbi Nachman who can go down deep, deep, deep to, to help people. Okay, so just going back to what I was saying, in, in a person's life, you're thrown in all types of situations. You begin to wonder, Hashem, what did I do wrong? I just want to be a good Jew. I'm trying to be sincere. <laughs> I want to come back to you. I don't want this. I don't want to be hurt and distanced from you and to feel detached and darkness. But Hashem does these things purposely because a person has to go, like Rav Nosan explains, like a yo-yo in Berkatareach, Halachadalit, Rav Nosan says towards the very end that the tzaddik sends his people, like in that time they had the scuba divers, 
the scuba divers who would go look for pearls in the depths, so they didn't have oxygen masks 150, 200 years ago. They had a helmet with no, no water to, come to penetrate, and they had the tube of air, a rubber tube, whatever, that went on and on and on for like uh, 500 meters, and they would lower the person down into the depths to find the oysters and the pearls and everything in the deep water. And if he saw he was in danger, an octopus was coming to eat him or a shark, so he would yank on the, the cords, they'd know that he's in danger, and they would quickly pull him out of, out of the, the water. And so too, the, 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 a Jew goes to these depths to find pearls. The pearls are the holy sparks, the lost sparks. And that's why Shem sends a person there. You didn't, you're not, it's not you the problem. The Yetzirah tries that person, you see, you are wrong, you are bad, you are the problem and everything. But the real emiss is that this is because a person has a job to do. This is how Hashem wants this person to do the job, that he goes into a dark situation, he doesn't want to be in, in that situation, but it's to elevate all these sparks. We're not supposed to do this purposely. That was the whole pagan, by the way, of Shabtai Tzvi and later on Jacob Frank. They said, if that's the case, we go in lechatchila into the Tumah. We'll baptize everybody. We'll do immorality. We'll go all the way into the Tumah in order to collect all these sparks. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> that's because Hashem knows the barometer when to send you, when not. When you make it back out alive, when you won't, okay? Hashem does that. Hashem is the one who controls. Me, I have an obligation to follow the Torah, follow the mitzvot, not to say, okay, this is what Hashem wants us to do, paraduma, and to go into the, into the Tumah in order to metahir tatmeim. That's not what Hashem wants. He didn't tell you to do that. It's not, oh, I have, to, I have no choice, I have to do this. Let Hashem decide how He runs your life. You have to live your life within Shulchan Aruch and the code of Jewish law and mitzvot, etc. Okay? So, going back, this is our mission in life. To, like Rabbeinu says in this lesson 24, to complete the holiness. How do you complete the holiness? By collecting back all the sparks of holiness due to the initial shattering of the 10 spheroth that we went into, the 10 vessels that we went into last, uh, last class that were shattered because they couldn't handle that intensity because uh, there's a rule in the Kabbalah that whenever Hashem brings out Kedusha, if now it shatters, it doesn't just disappear. It doesn't just like puff and go up, back up. It stays forever, it's there. In other words, when Hashem made another creation, He did the second creation over the first one. He didn't like, okay, let's sweep up the first. He didn't clean the, the shattered vessels to sweep up, okay, let's push it on the side and make a new creation. Built on the shattered holy sparks of the initial creation, He created the second creation on that. And our goal is within this new creation to collect these holy sparks that were shattered from the beginning. This was the flaw that Hashem built in in the creation. That's the mission of man. To elevate, elevate from bad to good. Because that's the only way we could, we could appreciate. It makes it sound like, according to the Kabbalah, that without the union of the Shvet Kelim and this whole thing of the shattering, the way Hashem created this world would have been perfect. It, it makes it sound like that. Like If it wasn't for this union of the Shvet Kelim, the way Hashem created the world in the next time with the tense throat inter interrelationship and interworking together and the creation of Adam and Chav and everything, things should have been perfect. But that's not what Hashem wants. Hashem wants that good be revealed from the bad. That there was a snake already who was Arum, who was cunning and he already had a Ta'ava towards Chava, etc. That's the bad already from the beginning of the creation built on the, sh the shattered, the sparks of the vessels that are in the Tuma now. Okay? Without that, the world would have been perfect. But Hashem doesn't want a perfect world. He wants a world that's crooked, purposely, it's built in flaw, so you can take from the good 
from the bad to bring back to the good and to appreciate what's good. That's what Hashem wants. Okay, that's the goal. So now, Rabbeinu brings down from the Arizal and from the Zohar. How is this done? What does this? So he says, Rabbeinu, he gives a practical advice called doing mitzvot besimcha, which we went into, right? We went into more or less the idea of simchat mitzvah. And he says, Rabbeinu, that this parallels what the Arizal explains and the Kabbalah explains of the, idea, the, the power of what's called pitum haktorit. We have to go into pitum haktorit. We're going to start going into it. So I'm not going to finish everything in this year. But uh, it's really powerful, the idea of pitum haktorit. Basically, it's like this. That if now the shattering of the vessels took place with shattering of ten spherot, there were ten levels of energy that went into the tuma. So we need a parallel level of 10 levels of holiness to bring them back. So these are the 10 fragrances of the Ktorit. Each fragrance of the 10 Samamanim of the Ktorit, except for we're going to see Levona. There's opinion, two opinions in Kabbalah, but the accepted opinion it's Levona, we're going to go into soon. But all the 10 fragrances, including Chalbena, Chalbena being Malchut. Uh, There's a Siddur, you probably have it. It shows you which sphera correlates which of the fragrances of the Pitum Torah? It's not even the Matok Midrash Seder. I didn't see it. It is. I, I didn't see it this morning. So you have Chelbena is Malchut. Levona is above the 10th sphera. Do you see Levona is the or Makif? You see? Very good. So Levona is Makif. Chelbena is the lowest one, Malchut. That's what we said in the last class that there was the death of the eight kings of Edom. And the final king is Malchut. And he became, and it, said by, it doesn't say by him that he died. He says his wife was matred, but bat tavel, but matred, right? And it says he didn't die. That means all the crashing of the, the death of the seven kings went into that last one. And that's Malchut Edom. That's the evil kingdom of Edom that we're trapped in now, okay? It's eight, which is really ten. Because above Malchut, if you count seven, you, so you go up from Yesod all the way up, you get to Da'at. And Da'at is a quasi-sphere. It has in it also Chochmah and Bina. So it's eight which is really 10. So it's 10 that are in, fell into the Tuma. What we need is an energy level of holiness to extract. These are the 10 fragrances of the Ktorit, but there's 11. Why there's 11? So the, the Kabbalah teaches something amazing. These 10 Sfirot that, that are crashed now, okay, and they're giving energy Technically, they crashed and they're fallen into the realm of Tuma. The Tuma can't create 10 negative spherot of impurity from those 10 directly. What does the evil do? It can only you, um, receive from the 10 spherot of holiness into the, to bring it into the realm of, of impurity if there's an intermediary, a medium. The medium that result teaches is Levona. See, the name Levona is Lavan, white. It's corresponding to Loven Ha'ilion. In the Kabbalah, there's this term called the, the upper whiteness. That's like a very high level of holiness. It's, he says here also, it's called Makif. It's above, the, Makif is not one of the ten spirits. It's above the ten spirits. It's, it's surrounding them. This Levona is trapped in the realm of impurity. From this one Levona are created, are, are taken by evil, energy to produce 10 new spheres of Tumah. This is a bit of deep, but I'm trying to explain it as clear as possible. 
So the evil, they have 11 spherot. They have the 10 spherot of impurity. In other words, you have chesed and holiness, and you have a chesed and impurity. What's a chesed and impurity, for example? We do good to criminals and, and people who are killers and everything. We do chesed. No, don't give them death sentence. Let them live. Give them another chance, right? When someone's chayav mita, and you're chesed with them, right? And deen, when someone is trying to do something good, uh, no, no, we don't allow keeping Shabbat in our country. No, we don't allow doing mitzvot. No, this goes against humanity. I heard now recently, Facebook is beginning to ban anyone who mentions like worship of Hashem, play, blessing Hashem. It's considered a very, what's the word in English they used? A very uh, abusive language. I couldn't believe what I saw. They said now, Facebook is taking off very Jewish ideas, uh, like Torah, God belief in God ideas, because it's abusive to other people's beliefs of atheism and everything, so it's abusive to them. Unbelievable where things are going. So that's like a gvura, which is misplaced, okay? So you have the ten sfirot, which are distorted, and they're in the tuma. There's the tiferet, tiferet of, the, of impurity, of evil. There's a, there's a netzach of impurity. There's a ho, there's a yesod, there's a malchut. But these ten cannot receive directly from the ten sfirot of holiness, even though, you see, when there was the shattering of the vessels, so what, what, what fell? There was the vessel and the as if the or ain't sof inside of it. It's like, for example, you have a jar filled with a liquid, of Coca-Cola, let's say. So you, punch, you push, if, if now you pump in too much Coca-Cola in the bottle, the grass will shatter, plus liquid of the Coca-Cola also. So it's two things being shattered. It's the vessel and the, 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 the liquid inside. In our, in our in analogy, the orient self is like the liquid, and the, the vessel is what's outside of the orient self, which is darkness. That's the idea of the kli. Now, being shattered and spread throughout the halala panui, so you have two things. You have the shattered parts of the vessel and the light of the insof. From the shattered part were created the evil, the evil domain. They wanted to gain direct access of the ten spherot from the orient insof that filled up the ten spherot. They can't have direct access because the ten spherot are holy. They will not let at all impure. There's no room for impurity to grasp. So the intermediary between them is number 11, which is called levona. The levona is the one sphera of holiness, which is not part of the ten spherot, but the, the evil can, can gain access from this levona and create ten paralleling spherot of impurity. Okay? So there's minus 11. In Kedusha, we have ten spherot, that's it. But in impurity, because they captured this levona, you need somewhere to give them the, the, the light, so it's a high thing called levona, that the evil can gain. It's like what Rabbeinu says in the lesson Ayah, that there's this ma'amar satum, that how could it be that Hashem allows idolatry to exist in the world? If Hashem, Hashem is found everywhere, Hashem is found even in idol worship, in, 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 in temples of idol idolatry, Hashem is giving nourishment to something which goes against Him, how could it be that the, that, that, that the Torah, that Hashem allows an existence to exist which is against Him Himself? So it has to be that it comes from this level which is super duper hard, you can understand it. Mamar Satum, that corresponds to the idea of the Levona. It's Makif, it's way, way above, okay? Fine? So, so this, this, this Levona is again, the, the, it's taken to the side of evil and it gives the nourishment to the other ten. So this is why you have eleven. So in holiness, we have 10 spherot, and in purity, there's 11. 10 plus that one which is called the levona. Even in the counting in the pasuk, right? It says, Kach lecha samim, nataf, ushchelet, vechelbena, samim, and then ulvona zakai. He's left aside at the very end, 
the Levona and the counting of the, the Parsha of the Ktoret, okay? So the Ktoret, in the time of the Beit HaMikdash, what it did was it had the power to go into the evil and to kill the ten spirits of impurity. How? By taking the Levona back to the side of holiness, the ten have no longer a source of nourishment to, have, to, to gain access to Kedusha, to bring it into the Tuma, to create ten spirits of impurity. So if you take the Levona, you bring it back to the Kedusha, so that the ten automatically die. So it kills the Klippo of the Ktor. That's what it does. It takes the eleven recitation of the, sorry, the, the actual Korban of the, 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 off, the, the combination, the ingredients, it's a Pitum, how do you say Pitum again? The, the mixture of the Ktor that was, I'm not going to say offered, it wasn't a Korban. It was pitumak. There wasn't a. It was a hakrava. There's the word hakrava and by by ktorit. We can say hakrava. La kriv ktorit. It was. It was. It w- the smell was released in the Beit Hamikdash. Okay, that had the power to go into the side of evil and take back the levona to the side of holiness, and the ten automatically drop of no chayut, no nourishment. This is what the ktorit does. Okay, that's what it did time in the Beit Hamikdash. Now that there's no Beit Hamikdash. So many Chachamim and the Kabbalists, they teach us, by reciting the Pitum Akhtoret, just reciting it, it has, not at the same level, but the power to do the same thing, which is to go into the evil and kill the evil forces by taking back the Levona to the side of holiness, so the ten automatically fall, and everything is resorted back to the Kedusha. It lifts up from the evil back into the holiness. So their opinion, opinions say today, that because the recitation does this, there's a big chiyuv. There's an opinion saying that you have to read the Pitum Akhtorit from a text. That's this custom. We'll go into this a bit more. The people have this custom to write on parchment, the Pitum Akhtorit, and read from the parchment. Because there's an opinion in Halacha, I couldn't believe it. In the Gemara, there's an, there are opinions in the poskine. That if you skipped one of the Samamanim, one of the fragrances, your Chav Mita applies even in the recitation today. <laughs> even in the recitation today, if by accident you stumbled and you missed in mentioning the, the, the actual list of the 11, which is mentioned in the bright afterwards, in the Pasuk Ol Yav is Samim, Nataf, Samim, You have it hinted. Halacha Moshe Messina explains what is the five not mentioned, Samim, and the first two, Samim. That we have in the Brayta, Tanu Rabbanan, There's an opinion that you should read it inside. That's his whole custom to write it on cloth in letters of, a, of Sefer Torah because they say this is like offering the Ktoret. The more you invest in the recitation of the Ktoret with Kavana, the more you can subdue the evil forces. This is a whole big thing in the, in the Arizal, in the Kabbalah. That's why they, they make a big deal of reciting it. And the custom is, based on the Mekubalim, to say three times a day, twice in the morning. And once at Mincha. What's this idea? Twice in the morning is once at the beginning of davening in order to be able to daven, to release the holy sparks trapped in the evil. So you need to kill the klipot, the first level. So that's by reciting the Pitu Maktorat in the section of Korbanot. Okay? Then that enables you to go up level to level that we spoke about going from, we didn't really go into that that much, but the level of going from Malchut being elevated from the evil, then to the level of the legs, Netzachod Yesod, and then from there to the hands, the level of the hands, Chesed Gvortifred, and then from the level of the intellect, Chokhmah Binadad, going up and up and up. So it starts with Pitumak Torah to release the holy sparks trapped 
in the darkness, okay? That's the beginning of davening. And then after we finish the davening and you accomplish such a big, powerful accomplishment of davening in the morning, so, so that you shouldn't lose what was taken from the evil, we say one more final time before Aleinu Mishabeach, again the Pitum Akhtorit, and in order to any remaining forces that try to start again to attack, this pushes them away again. And then by Mincha, because Mincha again is another davening time, it's the end of the day, throughout the day you had a lot of devotions, okay? And now the Mincha will come to elevate all that, so to make sure that they, they're subdued, that whatever they stole during the day, the evil forces, we say again, Pitum Akhtorit before, before davening the Mincha, and that subdues them in order to be able to daven. This is this custom of three times a day. Now Rabbeinu goes a step forward, and he says that doing mitzvot besimcha has the same capacity, if not even more, than saying pitu maktorit. He says, Rav Nossin, in the Kitzu Likutemoran on this lesson, he says, seeing how joy in doing mitzvot is so powerful, he says that reciting the pitu maktorit with concentration is mesugal. It leads you to being besimcha and doing mitzvot. If a person doesn't feel simcha and doing mitzvot, Pitu Maktorit is an amazing advice how to get Simcha. I feel out of it. I feel absurd. The person now, something bad happened, and then there's something crazy thing happening. He has to daven now. And he says, How can I daven now with Chayut and, and, and Simcha and everything? So the advice given by Rav Nosen in the abridged Likutim Ram is to recite Pitu Maktorit. Pitu Maktorit has in its power to bring joy to a person. How? By focusing on the meaning of the words, by trying to concentrate on the Pitu Maktorit. This can bring a person to what's needed is Simchat mitzvah. So this is very far. How in the world is Simchat mitzvah connected to Ktorit? Well, <laughs> how Rabbeinu did you jump? So in the lesson, Rabbeinu begins to bring psukim and everything, we're gonna go into that. But the initial stage is we can say like this. We said already that true Simcha in this world is only when a person is able to shine into this world the infinite light, the Orient Sof. This world in itself is darkness. The trees, how come I can appreciate this, the, the light, the, the nature and everything? How can I really be happy with nature and things happening in the world? Because I connect everything to Hashem. When I see the trees, and because of the trees, I say, Hashem, I begin to praise Hashem because I know there's a creator because of that. It, it causes me to give thanks and praise to Hashem. That brings light. That's the light in, the, in, this, in, this, in this idea. An atheist, for example, he won't truly appreciate his vacation house in Malibu and his beautiful uh, condo and his beautiful uh, resort and everything. It's all empty. If there's no Akadosh Baruch Hu in his life, it's all vain. He himself is not, not, not happy. Like Rav Nassim says, all these, we went into this, with all these rich people and everything, they try to show people that they're really happy, but they're not. They're very empty and dead inside. Mamash bitter. They would rather switch for another person in their life and instead of having this life, all this money and fame and honor and everything, but it's empty. There's no true value. And he says, if you see them act, acting happy, it's all just a game. It's all a, it's all a play. It's not the real, the real truth. The real truth is they're not happy. True happiness is simchat mitzvah. Is that you feel the connection to Hashem. Like we said, you do tzitzit. <laughs> you buy tzitzit for, for, t- for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 shkalim. You say a bracha and it connects you to the highest levels. He says, Rav Nosen, can there be a greater joy than that? That you do a mitzvah, you do kiddush on Shabbat, you, you, have, you have Shabbat at your home, you do brachot and everything, and it connects you to God. You know, you have to, you have to be stupid not to appreciate that. It's, it's a real appreciation. So 
True simcha is when the light of God is connected to this world. So Rav Nosen says elsewhere that of all the senses, the one that's most attuned to the neshama and the world to come and to Hashem is smell, reach. Reach is something we say a bracha before and we don't say bracha afterwards. Why? Because it's not a physical pleasure. It's a direct neshama pleasure. We say bracha because you can't gain benefit from any item until you get first reshut. But a bracha afterwards, that there was a satiation, that's only for the body. The neshama took it and just whoop, went right up. When, when a person smells a beautiful smell, the neshama, that's called neshama, is connected to neshima, the, the, the breath to, to smell in the, the, the fragrance, takes the smell, is delighted through it, but it connects to us, it brings a, a ta'anuk to the neshama, which takes it up immediately. There's no something left in this world after that. There's no rishimu after that, okay? Because of that, true simcha is associated with the faculty of smell, of scent. So the ktoret, which is reach nichoach, it's a reach, it's a smell. Specifically, it's a smelling item, not like a sacrifice of an animal that does the job to go into the klipot and extract the holiness because it's something which is totally for the sake of the spiritual smell. It has the ability to go in to the domain of evil and to extract the holiness, to, to subdue the evil and to bring out the holiness. Now this is associated with the true joy because the true joy is when you shine the light of Hashem into this world. That's the idea of the neshama. Then the, the, the smell is associated only exclusively with the neshama. So this is the idea how it's connected smell with the mitzvot. Mitzvot automatically is joy. So this is a beginning. We're going, we're going to develop it over the classes, God willing, more and more. But this is the beginning connection between smell and simcha. We'll now go further and show how this is hinted to in the whole story of Korach, last week's Parsha. Okay? Korach, when you read Rashi on the Parsha, you get an impression that he had petty jealousy. You're jealous, number one. Like Rashi says in one place, he was upset. You know, Moshe, you took to be a king, your brother Aharon to be, a, to be the Kohen Gadol. You know, I, and my, my father was, the, was older than Amram, right? Korach ben Yitzhar. Yitzhar was before Amram, right? Am I correct? He was after, but he's before Elitzafan ben Parnach. Okay. So before Elitzafan's father. Uziel, no? Uziel, sorry, Bnei Uziel. Uziel was the youngest. Uziel was the youngest, okay? So he said, like Rashi says, I should be next in line. And instead you give, you give the, 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 the leader of Kahat over to Elit Safan instead of to me. So I'm, I, so I'm going to go against everything you said. What, so you get the impression from Rashi that it's petty jealousy. And then the second Rashi, what did, what did Korach see of all this machloket? He said he saw in Ruach HaKodesh that coming from him will come eventually Shmuel HaNavi, all of these 24 Mishmarot of Keuna, of, of Leviyah, singing on the Dukhan and the Beit HaMikdash. And he said, all this Gdula will come from, it, from, from me, by Shotek, and I'm going to be quiet? I can't stay quiet. All this Gdula is coming from me, and I'm going to be quiet. Okay? You hear this, you see... So it sounds like a petty jealousy, but that's not the case. What, what's, what's the depth here? The depth here is that to, the, from, from this Rashi itself, we see that Korach couldn't accept what's called being subdued. He felt in order 
to have greatness, you have to have access to the greatness. Rabbeinu says in this lesson, the secret to greatness is that when Hashem gives you that bounce on the Keter, we, told, we spoke about what's coming up in this lesson, that when you elevate from the Klippot, the holiness, it's on a run, it's on a run, it starts going up and up and up. You bring it from the Tuma to the level of the legs, from the legs to the arms, from the arms to the brain, and then you hit the Keter, ah, no, 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 you can't go past the Keter, boom, and you bounce back, Rav Nosson says, even all the way back to the, to the Tuma, and you start again, okay? So the average person goes through this, they can't accept this down, you just bounce, Bounce is, Rabbeinu says, a betisha. The word for, bet, for a bounce is very sharp by Rabbeinu Likutei Moran. He says, a botesh. Botesh means you're hitting and you're bouncing back. Bouncing back to where? All the way to the beginning. Even deeper. So the average person goes through this. I can't accept this. I want to see accomplishment. I want to see me going up and up and up and up and up. I can't handle that you tell me that if I accept the bounce... I will receive the light of the Keter, the light of Ein in reaching and not reaching. I can't accept that. I want to see in my hands my accomplishment. I want to see the realization of my dreams. I want to see it in my hands. So Rabbeinu is telling us here, the only way you can see it is if you accept that you cannot be there, that it's way above your level, and you have to accept the bounce to go back down. If you accept the, down, the bounce to go back down, the light of the Ein Sof will shine in you even though you're not there and you will comprehend and reach levels which are way above your level even though you're not there. This is the contradiction. This is the whole thing of Matei Vela Matei. You're in, but you're out. It reminds me that Rav Nosen once said he received more from Rabbeinu's weekday, weekday casual conversations more than the Torah revealed in Likutei Moran. Do you hear that? More than the Torah Likutei Moran of Nosan said, I received much more from Rabbeinu Shmuzin and Sichot, more than the lessons in Likutei Moran. What's going on? You would think, Likutei Moran, Likutei Moran, that's where the, the meat is, that's where the whole, the real thing is. We, we, we invest time in Likutei Moran. But Rav Nosan said he got more from the bounce, the regular Sichot, Chulin of Rabbeinu. He gained much, much more from those Sichot. The, the depth hidden there was greater. What's, this is this idea here, that a person's willing to accept being bounced back in mundanity and he accepts it this is the secret to his greatness Rashi says there that, that Moshe and, uh, was trying to tell Korach I did not choose Elitzafan because uh, I just wanted to choose him this was Mipi Agvura Rashi says there on the spot that Hashem told me to, uh, to appoint Elitzafan the question is why did Hashem do that why did Hashem appoint Elitzafan and not Korach? What's wrong with appointing Korach to be in charge of the, of the, of the Leviyah? Let it be the one in charge, right? What's, what's, the, what's, what's the problem with that? Hashem was trying to lift up Korach. Korach, we want you to, yes, reach higher levels, but you have to accept the betisha, the bouncing back. He wasn't ready and willing to accept the, the, the bouncing back point, okay? This was the, the first blemish, okay? Number two, the Midrash and the Gemara say, teach us that Korach was really sad. He was broken of a situation. He wasn't happy. He was the antithesis of Simcha. Where do we see that? It says in the Midrash, on the Gemara, that when Hashem ordered Moshe to shave the Levim, okay, so they had no hair, no eyebrows, no beard, totally bald, like a Mitzorah. So the, the Midrash, the Gemara says that he came home 
and his wife degraded him. Korach's wife said, look what Moshe is making a laughing stock of you, look at you. She made him feel bad and miserable and not good about himself. Negative, okay? She, she, she made him feel really negative and the negativity he felt less led him to chaos, anger, to jealousy and all these midot, okay? We see from what the Chazal teach us that the whole initiation of Korach to do what he was doing came out of sadness. He wasn't happy. If you're you're being... What, 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 did, what did Moshe say? Is it not enough that Hashem appointed you? That you're carrying... You're carrying the Aron HaKodesh, you're carrying the menorah, you're carrying the Dvayma Mekudashim. You're not happy? You're not happy if Hashem gave you? Anyone would say, I'd be the happiest person, even if they shave all my hair off for my rest of my life, I don't mind carrying the, the menorah and the Aron HaKodesh. What is chut? And instead, you're upset because your wife made you feel derogatory. If Nosan said in one place in the Kutel Achot, in Ishut Halacha Gimel, Pira Vireva Halacha Gimel, that the whole Machokot was due to Korach's wife. Because she initiated this, because Korach, it says in the Zohar, that he wanted to switch left to right. Left to right is like switching sadness to joy. The, the, the Simcha is the Chesed, the right side, okay? And left side is the idea of Gvura, which is sadness. And Korach, he was like a lefty, they say. He wanted to switch the left to the right to, to, to put the Simcha in the wrong place. So he got his Mida He got it that his wife took his uh, initiative of trying to switch, like the Zohar says, left to right. And she pushed him into more sadness and anger and jealousy. This is what brought out. So what, what was Moshe Rabbeinu's response? Okay, if now sadness is now taking apart and now unleashed to cause this machloket that you're causing now. So the beru has to be ktoret. So Moshe Rabbeinu told Korach and his Eida, the, the 250 Rashi Sanhedrin from the tribe of Reuven, etc. Take machtot and bring ktoret. And the whole parsha goes around the end of the ktoret because the ktoret is what elevates from the evil to the holiness. On the general scale, we said, that Ktoret is to elevate the sparks of holiness trapped in the evil. In our context of Likutei Moran Lesson 24, Rabbeinu says, sadness is the repetition of Shreta Kelim Odapan. When a person goes into Atzvut, it's again the idea of Shreta Kelim, there's sadness in the world, so there's a shattering of holy sparks trapped because, and it's, and it's being expressed in the sadness here. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, what's needed now is the Ktorit again to do the job of extracting holy sparks, bringing them back to holiness, taking out the people from the Atzvut and bringing it back to holiness, okay? Second time in the parasha, after Korach convinced and, uh, succeeded in convincing the majority of the Jews that Moshe Rabbeinu took honor for himself, what does it say? That after this happened, there was the Magifa, right? The, the, when, when the Magifa took place, as soon as the Jews said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Atem hamiten et Adat Yisrael, what's the word? Et Adat Hashem. Am Hashem. You killed the Jewish people. They, instead of justifying what happened, that, that Hashem opened the earth, swallowed up Datan, Aviram, all their families, the Rashi Sanhedrin, Rashi Sanhedrin, they weren't some people, those were big time the Chachamim. Rashi Sanhedrin being burnt by the Ktoret. They just burnt out because what happened? Instead of saying this came from Hashem, what did they say? You, Moshe and Aharon, you killed the Jewish people. You don't see that Hashem did this? You, don't, you still don't see? How could it be that after all that happened, they still don't see it's the hand of Hashem? This, again, is the convincing 
argument of Korach due to his sadness, convincing them to the extent that even after now Korach is no longer here and there's no Jewish leadership for the Jewish people, they can't go back to accept Moshe Rabbeinu. That's how convincing his argument was. That means the, uh, the repercussion of Korach's sadness went into the Jewish people instead of seeing it as retribution and that Hashem takes vengeance on his enemies that were these people here that he spoke against, okay? Instead, they continued with sadness. You killed, you killed Am Hashem, you killed the people of Hashem. How, they're saying that out of sadness. What's the sadness here? They feel empty. They feel a lacking of leadership now. Because Korach's Lashon Hara, or Motzisha, whatever you want to call it, he caused them not to believe in Moshe Rabbeinu anymore. So there's no one left. There's no Moshe Rabbeinu. We can't believe in him because of Korach's argument. And there's no Korach. And there's no uh, 250 Rashi Sanhedrin. There's no one to lead us. So they felt empty. You, you guys killed. So then Hashem unleashed the Magifa. And again, Moshe Rabbeinu used, ah, again, the, the feat of sadness caused this damage. That again, holy sparks are now falling to the Tumah. That's the Magifa killing the Jewish people. That's like as if negativity. So what did he tell Aaron now? Again, Ktorit. Ktorit again, this time to save, to stop the Magifa and to bring, to, 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 to stop it and to, to bring the rest of the sparks back. In other words, to stop the, the battle from continuing so that the Jewish people can continue to exist. So the Parsha, huh? And to, and to give them the feeling of fulfillment. Uh, and also that the Ktorit doesn't kill, uh, that, 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 it, that it brings life. Because they, they wanted, the Ktorit is Simcha. So Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to show them, and instill in them the simcha of, of, of connection with Hashem, that this is the solution. To be negative and to, to instigate, to continue on machloket is not going to solve the solution. The solution is you being happy in your mitzvah performance. This is scary to say, but it seems that if more Jewish people were involved on being simcha and doing their mitzvot, as opposed to accusing each other, it seems that Mashiach would have been here a long time ago. The problem is, why aren't people so doing this? Because we see that this is the area of lack in the society. The area of lack of people are not happy with their mitzvot. Why do people spend time putting Pashkavilya against other people and this and that? Because they don't have happiness in their mitzvot. So they automatically have time to look at other people and after people. If people were so happy doing their mitzvot, they wouldn't have time to start running after other people. You'd be so ecstatic and excited in doing your mitzvot. I remember hearing Rav Levi Yitzchak Bender uh, at a time, there were people, you know, there were rallies on Barilan Street here in Yerushalayim on Shabbat because the, Barilan now is closed certain hours and open certain hours, okay? When it started this thing, you know, of closing the road and then opening the road and the road was open all time, so there were riots every Shabbat, every Shabbat and people even from the Breslev Shul started to forego the Mincha, Sadash Lishit, Likutim Moran together in order to go to rally, okay? So he said, our rallying is to learn Likutim Moran. That's our rallying. He was against people on the expense of learning Rabbi Nachman's Likutim Moran, learning Torah, you go now to rally. Ajaba, this is the key how to subdue the rest of the world. In the Gemara, in Chulin, Peregigida Nasheh, so it says that the uh, in the battle between the, the Ma'avak, between Yaakov and the angel of Esav, it says, uh, in the Haftarah that is read on that parasha of Vaishlach, uh, 
So he says he was crying. So the Gemara goes into who's crying? Because it's not clear. So the maskana is that the angel was crying. Why was he crying? So one of the, the, the things the Gemara says there is that he saw that even though the Jews will be in Galut, they will still have Resh Galuta in Bavel and Nesi'im in Eretz Yisrael. What's the crying? That even though the Jews will be in Galut under Edom, they will still manage to have autonomy. In other words, separation. We follow the Torah, period. We follow the Nesi in Eretz Yisrael, we follow Resh Galuta. We have the Torah guiding us, no one else. Even though we're an exile in Galut by under many nations and everything, it doesn't influence our way of living. We still are governed and live by the Torah and the Chachamim, period. That's all we have. So he was crying that the Jews, even in Galut, will succeed in having an upper hand, okay? This is the idea, I'm trying to remember why I got into this, is that it's, the commentary is on the En Yaakov, on, on that Gemara there, they're saying that this also what Haman saw. Haman later on, he was petrified by the Jews. He told Achashverosh, Yesh no Amecha, there's one nation. So they ask, what are you going crazy over one nation? Achashverosh has 127 nations, and the Jewish population, all the 127 nations, is like a minuscule. It's like not even maybe 2-3% of everything that Achashverosh had. And you're making such a big deal. There's one nation. They're like a, not, not even a percent or two, three percent of the whole population that you have. And Haman's making a big deal out of it. Because Haman knew the power of the Jewish people. If you allow them to do the mitzvot b'simcha, it will automatically brush off on all of society. They say, take a look. Today in the world, you have Western culture, European culture, and then you have Asian Far East. Till today, in the far, far East, Besides that they have a lot of crazy Avodah Zarah, they also have a lack of Ben Adam Lechemero, a lack of, you know, Tsar Balechaim. All these stories we hear that how they, they cut and torture animals and stuff, you know, they had all types of worships and everything. Also people in China, they say when they just need a kidney, they just take from a prisoner, they take his kidney or heart, whatever. They just, you know, life there has no value. Why? Because there's a lack of Jewish presence, Torah presence in those places. Whereas if you take, for example, European society, Western culture, wherever they were hidden, it had a brush-off influence on the Goyim that they began to realize there's also Lo Tirzach, Lo Tignov. Where, where do you have humanity by the Goyim? It's where Yidin were also found. The Torah, they don't have to go out preaching even. By the Yidin, sitting in the base of Midrash, learning how to do the Torah, fulfill the Torah, it automatically brushes off <coughs> on the rest of the world. <coughs> Haman saw that. He said that if you don't take care of the Jews now, they're going to influence all your 127 Medinot, and they're not going to serve you anymore, and they're not going to be interested in your idols that you put up, and all the Avodah Zarah, and the Shtusim that you have. They're not going to be after you anymore. This is the power of a Yid. Okay? Is that with the, the, the Kedusha, when it's done with Simcha, okay? Rabbeinu says, coming up in this lesson, when a Jew does a mitzvah simcha, it shakes the entire universe. Rav Nosen is in his tefillah, he says, my mitzvah should go, and he starts going, he's mefaret, he starts being ex- very explicit. All the levels that it wakes up, the world of Asiya, and then he goes into to Yetzira, Bria Atzirut. And then he says, Olam Galgalim, Kochavim, Mazalot, Srafim, Zikim, he names all types of angels and comets and stars. And he says, and human beings and kings and men and women and young and old and, and children. Everyone should wake up from our mitzvah because that's what a mitzvah is supposed to do. 
The idea of a mitzvah is uh, like shake and bake. It's supposed to shake the whole world and wake them up. But when can it do that? When a person does the mitzvah besimcha. So Rabbeinu teaches here, the pitu maktoret has the ability to extra, like, uh, eradicate the evil, extract the holiness. But I want stage two, stage three, stage four to take the mitzvah all the way up to the keter, to the highest level. This, Rabbeinu says, is an advantage of doing a mitzvah besimcha over the ktoret, and that because you would wonder if now Rabbeinu you're saying doing mitzvah besimcha is synonymous with saying the ktoret. So let me just work on the ktoret. One, I have to kill myself to be besimcha, which is a bit more of a harder devotion. But there's a ma'ala, there's an advantage of doing mitzvah besimcha, in that it takes the mitzvah that's been extracted from the klipot and shakes it all the way up. So Rav Nosson says, saying the ktoret brings you to the simcha. Of doing a mitzvah of, of that's needed in doing mitzvot besimcha. So now, once you've extracted point one, extraction to pitumaktorit, now I have simcha that I can use in all the mitzvot. Not just saying pitumaktorit, but my tefillin, my tzitzit, my Shabbat, my Yom Kippur, the brachot, the mitzvot that the Biolacha says in the beginning of Mishnah Borah. Just thinking, you have six mitzvot by this thinking. When you do all these things besimcha, it shakes the whole world. This is the Jewish response to the Galut. This is the Torah response to what's happening in the world, is we have to work more in doing mitzvot besimcha. This influences the world, right? It shakes the world, and plus we get what's needed to be done. What The right address to get to things is done by that. And this is the pasuk that Rabbeinu brings, ki besimcha tetzeu, right? Enjoy, you will leave. Which means also that if people think now, taking a very panicky attitude we're doomed now. The world is coming to the end. Do tshuva. The attitude of scaring people to do tshuva is not the truth, not the real attitude. The real attitude is getting people to be besimcha. And from the simcha, that's how the Mashiach will come, Bezat Hashem. But not simcha of holelut, simcha of doing mitzvot, Bezat Hashem. That's the education needed now to get people to appreciating what they're doing. And if you see people doing machlok and everything, it's pretty like 90% sure that these people are not happy with their mitzvah devotion. Their davening takes 10 minutes in the morning, and then they can spend two hours talking about other people, and this, we have to do this, we have to do that, and other people, right? What's going on? Give people to appreciate what they're doing. Teach them how to appreciate what they're doing. This can change the world. This, one, this lesson, this lesson 24, is Mamash, the Torah of Mashiach. It's a Geula Torah. It's such a big Torah because it teaches people a chinuch on how to have a perspective and a conduct in the Galut, in order to get out of the Galut. And it applies to so many levels. It's Am Yisrael as a whole. Then, what, like we said earlier, your personal struggles and difficulties, I'm having a problem with this child now, there's psychiatric problems here, there's health problems here, there's Parnassah things, there's Shalom Bayit, and then my Avodat Hashem, my learning is here, and my Midotes are there. All these things, he says in this lesson, the Simcha of the Mitzvah gets you out. Each level, each difficulty, is compared to Shreta Kelim, he says, Rav Nosen, every, every level of thing you're going through in life is like you're, go, you're re- reliving now, Shveta Kelim now. So now what's needed is to extract the sparks from the Tumah. That's why you're having such a hard time and a brokenheartedness and you're not happy with the situation you're going through because you're now trapped in a type of a Galut. What's needed to get you out is Simcha. <laughs> That's all that to get you out. So extraction, Pitumak Torah is what he says. Simchat mitzvah also is the, is the same synonymous of that. This is what gets a person out. If he takes on a positive attitude, he gets out. I remember hearing from Rav Nosen Maimon, 
who heard a lot from Rav Moshe Burstein and from Rav Michal Dorfman that they said always, worrying does not get you anywhere. Worrying about you fretting over your situation does not get you anywhere in the situation. It's dafka trying to be positive in the situation, but the person says, but how? I don't want to be how positive. This is happening, and then this, and it's not enough this, and have the cherry on top, this happened. person gets crashed. So we said that when a person is being crashed, right, cherry on top, when a person is being crashed, he has to resort to ayah. What does ayah do? It opens a person, when a person cries out ayah, by the way, that's like the ayah, Hashem, where are you? I just want to be a good Jew. And your person cries out that, Hashem opens his eyes to see it's not as bad as he thought it was. He sends an opening, okay? And then he can thank Hashem. I had this exactly last night. I had a difficulty with my son. And they're tell, people are telling me, advisors, you have to go see this, you have to do that. It made me feel even like, uh, like 10,000 10, tons just fell on me, on my heart. Like, boom. And I'm saying, how can it be simcha? I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm trying not, I, how can I be simcha now? Even in my life right now, this happened. So I had no other alternative. I just cried out to Hashem. What am I going to do? Right after that, I get a phone call from somebody else, a higher advisor, and he gives a solution, which is not so far like I have to go to, the, to, the, uh, to Antarctica in order to figure out the solution. It's something, it was like an ease. And was it, uh, that comes, like we said, in the, we didn't really go into this. Rav Nosson goes into this. This idea of Oda'a, giving thanks to Hashem. When there's an opening, and you immediately give thanks to Hashem, this initiates more simcha and more simcha and more simcha until you can get out of the situation. If you start giving thanks from a tiny side factor, but it gives you depreciation, it builds up and builds up until the solution for the difficulty takes place. In the, in the, the, the initial difficulty is resolved, Bezat Hashem. This is Rav advice. We believe in it and we hope to go with it, Bezat Hashem. All right, that's uh, that to be continued. We're just starting in Aktorit. Now we have a few classes to develop the ideas. I have a question. Yes. It says there, with the, the Levona? Yeah. I'm trying to remember what they said. Yeah, yeah, it could be Levona. It could be. Like Lavan, Lavan Arami. It could be. I'm trying to remember. They said somewhere, if you see, it's beautiful, the Pere Likutim, he brings everything. Pere Likutim on this lesson 24. Beautiful. He said somewhere there that the torret being trapped in other words the spherot being trapped in the evil in other words the evil 10 spherot plus levona is klipat noga it could be yeah it could be klipat noga is there because uh, klipat noga etzada tovara could be even higher in a sense than the 10 spherot because that's the trick there I have to remember he said something but it makes sense it's called levona like lavan lavan arami and we said in the last class the whole idea that Darizal says why the Torah teaches us this idea of the Shvira is hinted to in the sheep of Yaakov Avinu and also in the death of the tent of the kings of, of Adom to teach us that this the whole idea of Shvira Tekelim is the Klippa of Lavan and Amalek, Edom, Esav and uh, Edom, Haman, Amalek they all come from Etzada Tovara like the Torah says Haman mina Torah minayin Haman is from where? Hamina Etz He's from the bad side of the etzadat of Torah, right? You know the Gemara. Hamin Etz from the tree, Haman, Hamin. And, and Lavan, Harami, Aramaic, is also Tovarah. He's the good and bad. He's the, he's, the, he's the challenge of Yaakov Avinu. He's the bad trapped in the etzadat Tovarah. He's the, he's the epitome of the Klippat Noga when it's not sanctified, when it's giving strength to Aman Amalek, right? That's what they say. Bilam, who's descendant of Lavan. Bet Lamed Ain Mem. 
and you write immediately underneath Ein Mem Lamed Kuf, you can have a new spelling of, of Bilam and Amalek. There's Bet Lamed Ein Mem, and also when you write Bet Lamed and then Amalek Ein Mem, there's again Bilam and then there's again Amalek under this one, right? You know that, that's Rav Nosen brings that down. <coughs> so, it could be that that's the, the Klippa there, that's the is Tovara. It's all mixed. It makes sense also that the, 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 the Shvet Kelim is the idea of the admixture, that in creation, are hidden these sparks, and our mission as hidden is to collect these sparks with Zatasha, each person and what they right go through. Here. Yeah, right. Well, have to, uh, um, it's written that after saying the Tomit, Shashachar, all the sparks which is now in this world went up to Ein By just saying that. By saying the Tomit. Carbon Tamit. Wow. And what does the Ktor do? Then we have a feeling of emptiness. Then we say the Ketoides to bring out a new <coughs> from the Netoides from the Klippas. From the Klippa. So what was the first one? The Karban Tumit was to elevate sparks from? The Karban Tumit um, elevates, elevates what? all the sparks which is now available. Ah, available. Okay, available sparks now available at your local. <laughs> okay, that's Karban Tumit. Very nice. That's like what's available, what's already yeah, accessible. Yeah. And the Ketoid goes back into the... Then we... Then, then, then because we're feeling empty, we need now we need more sparks. Because the feeling of emptiness that a Jew has is an indicator that there's still more sparks, there's still more work to do. Yeah. When a Yid feels empty, the reason why he's feeling empty is because there's something for him to do and he doesn't know what it is. No. That's the idea of Pitu And now for us, the answer is to bring up more Simchasamitzvahs. Right. It doesn't end. As long as we're still in Galut, there's still more sparks to elevate, that means there's more simcha and mitzvot needed and necessary. Yeah. More, even more so. Right? Now, especially by the end of the Galut, we have even much more, we're getting towards the end, so we have to really work on that area of his okay, so But this is the attitude. Huh? That's the goal now. That's simcha the goal. Mitzvot. Simcha and mitzvot to elevate. Right? Not to, and not to feel that worrying will solve, solve the solution. And when a person is being attacked with worriness, first of all, when a person's worried, He'll make the wrong decisions because when you have a worried state of mind, you can't think clearly. Clear-headedness comes out when a person has simcha and a positive act, then you can see things. There's things right in front of you, you don't see them because you're, oh my God, <laughs> the person's worried, he can't see what's right in front of him. When he has simcha, oh, here it is, here it is, wow, these ideas, right? You, uh, you Beautiful. The you know, yeah. There also, driver brings this, give a simple say, Right. They're connected. Rav Nosen and Likutel he goes to Torah Yutinyana. On the store, Bezatasha. All right, so to be to be continued, hopefully, Bezatasha. Yeshakoch. Also, I mentioned Ketoyres. Yeah. Right. To our Yud Gimel Kama. Right. We're all getting to that. Wow. <laughs> hey, so much. Doesn't end. <laughs>